the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello, this is Sonia Torres. I'm here with Truth in My Days director John Torres for a discussion about another important topic. John, do you remember a book from 2003, The Da Vinci Code by Dan? Yes, it was a massive bestseller, tens of millions of copies. What was it about? According to the story, a symbologist called to the scene of a murder at which the victim left a cryptic message, joins with a police detective to follow the clues, and ends up uncovering the secret true history of Christianity. According to which, Jesus was an ordinary man who married Mary Magdalene and had kids, and they became the ancestors of the Merovingian kings of France. Now, mind you, Brown didn't make up these ideas out of whole cloth. There were a number of National Enquirer types who had been uh, pushing these ideas for a while. Well, that seems pretty far-fetched. These people are in Israel. How'd they become the ancestors of the French kings? It sounds ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, and these people never offer anything in the way of actual evidence for it. What they say compared to what eyewitness testimony says in the gospel books uh, can safely be discounted. But that's what they say, and that's what this best-selling book was focused on. And as part of his case, Brown has one of his characters in the book say this, quote, More than 80 gospels were considered for the New Testament, and yet only a relatively few were chosen, unquote. The idea is that there were many different versions of Jesus' teachings from the very beginning, and the version we know only won out later for political purposes. So do, does anyone take the, the sort of claim from the fictional character in this story seriously? I'm afraid so. Yes, they do. Not from the fictional book, but the same kind of claims or similar claims. Actually, this is one of the new fronts of the liberal scholarly assault on Christianity. There are liberal scholars who insist that there were many different early versions of Christianity, all equally valid, competing against each other. And the version we know today only won out over the others due to intervention by the state. Bart Arman, for example, uh, we've mentioned him before. He's a former evangelical who became an agnostic and now writes many books uh, attacking evangelical Christianity. He's in the forefront of this area. His book called Lost Christianities, The Battles for Scripture and the Faiths We Never Knew, in 2005, it was published and it tried to make this case. You notice he talks about Christianities. He's saying there isn't really a Christianity. What we know is Christianity is just one of the Christianities and the others are lost. The book is described this way on Amazon. And quote from here, The early Christian church was a chaos of contending beliefs. Some groups of Christians claimed that there was not one God, but two or twelve or thirty. Some believed that the world had not been created by God, but by a lesser ignorant deity. Certain sects maintained that Jesus was human but not divine, while others said he was divine but not human. In Lost Christianities, Bart D. Arman offers a fascinating look at these early forms of Christianity and shows how they came to be suppressed, reformed, or forgotten. 
All of these groups insisted that they upheld the teachings of Jesus and his apostles, and they all possessed writings that bore out their claims, books reputedly produced by Jesus' own followers. Modern archaeological work has recovered a number of key texts, and as Armin shows, these spectacular discoveries reveal religious diversity that says much about the ways in which history gets written by the winners. Armin's discussion ranges from considerations of various lost scriptures, including forged gospels supposedly written by Simon Peter, Jesus' closest disciple, and Judas Thomas, Jesus' alleged twin brother, to the disparate beliefs of such groups as the Jewish Christian Ebionites, the anti-Jewish Marcionites, and various Gnostic sects. Armin examines in depth the battles that raged between what he calls proto-Orthodox Christians, those who eventually compiled the canonical books of the New Testament and standardized Christian belief, and the groups they denounced as heretics and ultimately overcame. The Great Courses released a video lecture series by Armin on this topic and describes it thus. Quote, in the first centuries after Christ, there was no official New Testament. Instead, early Christians read and fervently followed a wide variety of scriptures, many more than we have today. Relying on these writings, Christians held beliefs that today would be considered bizarre. Some believed that there were two, twelve, or as many as thirty gods. Some thought that a malicious deity rather than the true God created the world. Some maintain that Christ's death and resurrection had nothing to do with salvation, while others insisted that Christ never really died at all. What did these other scriptures say? Do they exist today? How could such outlandish ideas ever be considered Christian? If such beliefs were once common, why do they no longer exist? These are just a few of the many provocative questions that arise from lost Christianities, Christian scriptures, and the battles over authentication, unquote. Well, that would be problematic if it were true. It isn't. Not a word of it. It is absolute rubbish. How do you know? Well, it should be obvious. Because either Jesus taught completely contradictory teachings on a variety of topics. One day he would say that God created the world. Another day he would say no and evil God created the world. One day he would say that the, the problem that we need to deal with is our sin. Another day he would say that sin is not a problem. Really, it's our lack of, of experiential knowledge of the divine. One day he would say that uh, salvation is through faith in him. Another day he would be saying that salvation is through acquiring secret knowledge or gnosis. One day he would be saying that there is one God, as he said repeatedly in the Bible, there is one God, and they'd be saying, no, there's two, no, there's 12, no, there's 30. In which case, he would rightly be, have been viewed as an incoherent babbler whom no one would follow. Or, if that's not the case, the only other alternative is that through his whole career on earth, all his preaching, nobody actually paid attention to what he said. Nobody knew when he died. Nobody remembered what he said. Nobody knew it. And nobody recorded what he taught. And after the fact... They simply used his name as a jumping off point for whatever religious view they wanted to promote. Though one would wonder if, if Jesus was just somebody nobody paid attention to at the time and nobody remembered why they would use his name as a jumping off point. So, so these ideas that are being put forth in lost Christianity 
are just absolutely absurd. But as long as he, as Jesus wasn't teaching contradictory teachings like every day or something, aren't there other religions where some kind of abrogation happens so they change what they said before too and then the people still continue to follow them? Not fundamentally. Yes, indeed. The Quran, for example, has in it uh, what's called the doctrine of al-Nasqa al-Mansuk, the doctrine of abrogation and replacement, where the Quran says Allah does not abrogate any of his teachings unless he replaces it with something better. And you see examples of that in the Quran, where one passage would say, for example, to drink only a little bit of wine, and another passage would say that you must abstain from alcoholic beverages completely. And the Muslims would say, well, you see, the, the original teaching was drink only a little, and then that was abrogated and replaced by the teaching that says you have to abstain totally. But these are on, on details. They're not on the fundamental essence of the faith. What lost Christianity is proposing is that these are utterly completely, fundamentally, in their quintessence, radically different one from another. Okay, so can you talk about some of these supposed other Gospels? I guess we have to, because, as I say, they're being promoted to the unwary. Let's go back to that quote from the character in Dan Brown's book, who says, quote, more than 80 Gospels were considered for the New Testament, and yet only a relatively few were chosen. In other words, the four that we have in our Bibles today got there through political pressure. Specifically, they refer to the Roman Emperor Constantine, who supposedly converted to Christianity in the year 312. And 13 years after, there was the Council of Nicaea, and we would be told that at the Council of Nicaea, Constantine decided that these four and only these four gospel books would get into the Bible. Now, this is absolutely nonsense. Even the claim about Constantine and the Council of Nicaea. The Council of Nicaea was called to deal with the heresy of Arius, who said that Jesus was a, a created being and not deity. They didn't deal with the issue of the canon of the New Testament at all. And of course, it's rubbish in a lot of other ways, but let's look at that in details. Return to that claim that more than 80 Gospels were considered for the New Testament, and only these four chosen. What are these supposed other Gospels? Let me give you a list of names. Q, the Gospel of Thomas, the Apocryphon or Secret Book of James, Dialogue of the Savior, Gospel of Mary, Gospel of Judas, Infancy Gospel of Thomas, Protoevangelium or Infancy Gospel of James, Gospel of Peter, and there are others as well. There's the Secret Gospel of Mark, the Edgerton Gospel, Gospel Oxyrhynchus 840, Gospel Oxyrhynchus 1224, Gospel of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Ebionites, and Gospel of the Nazareans. I think I've only heard, even heard of a couple of these. Yeah, there's, there's not actually much point to hearing about them, except to confute liberal skeptics and scholars who are making these claims. The first thing to note about them is that they were all late. The earliest of them originated towards the latter part of the second century AD, like well over 100 years after Jesus' time, and the rest came later than that. 
There's very little manuscript attestation for them. None of it is early. There's no patristic support for them. That is, no early Christians quoted from these books as authoritative. On the contrary, whenever the early Christians did write about these, they never endorsed them. They always denounced them and said these are fake books. There were only four, the four we have in our gospel books, and we went over this on, on our course on canonicity. There were only four books that had apostolic authority, only four that were written in the time of the apostles and endorsed by them. And that's why those four are the ones in the New Testament. They are the ones produced under the authority of the apostles chosen by Jesus. Another thing to note about these other gospels is they do not exist. Or they're not Gospels at all. Then where did they come from? Well, they're floating around. Some of them seem to have existed at one point, at one time, but they, we don't have them now. For example, Gospel of the Hebrews, the Gospel of the Ebionites, and the Gospel of the Nazareans. You get the occasional mention of these in the patristic writings, early Christian writings, but nobody knows what they are. We have no copies of them. We don't have quotations from them. Some even suggest that it's simply the, our gospel books translated into Hebrew. But they don't even exist. Okay? We, we cannot see these as authoritative when they're just absolutely gone. So out of these books, and again, they're not 80. <laughs> we listed them for you. They're, they're not more than 80. There are 16. Are you sure you didn't miss any? I'm sure I didn't miss any. And, and they're actually not even 16. You notice that they put Q on the list, and Q has never existed. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.